calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, babe, what you got there? This is a check from Carvana. I just sold my car to them. I went online and Carvana gave me an offer right away. Then they just picked up the car and gave me this. Well, that's a big check. Well, obviously you could put this towards your next car, or we could finally get that jacuzzi, or I could start taking tuba lessons, or I could quit my job and write my memoir. Or I can put it towards my next car with Carvana. Sorry, your check, not mine. Sell your car to Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get a real offer in seconds. This is John Rocha, one-third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to this Christmas Eve Eve episode of the Geek Buddies. That's the perfect 2020 ho ho ho, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are excited to be back with you again uh, this week. Uh, we, this is a, obviously this is a pre recorded show this week as we get ready for the holidays. We hope we find you in a good place this holiday season. And for those of you who we may find 
not in the best place this holiday season. Maybe watching us today will pick up your spirits a little bit as we talk about all the stuff or most of the stuff going on in the world of geek news entertainment. I am one of your hosts. I am the outlaw, John Roca, joined as always by these two gentlemen to my right, I think, as you see on the screen. Yep. Yes. 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 Uh, yeah. It's like that's like me watching Tenet. I was like, I I think so. I gotta think about backwards. Uh, yes, I am Michael Vogel, uh, the guy to the right. I am a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies, and a confused Tenet viewer apparently. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor. Where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine Nine, Silicon Valley, and Teen Wolf, where I was the furthest on the right in all three shows. Couldn't have planned that. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, we are uh, going to get into some stuff here today. For those of you who are new, thank you so much for taking a chance on the Geek Buddies and uh, coming aboard. We picked up a lot of you uh, during our through our Mando reviews, so thank you so much. Our, our Mandalorian finale review is over 12,000 views. Thank you to Laura Kelly, who joined us for that, and thank you to all of you who have watched it so far. If you haven't watched it yet, definitely watch our reviews of The Mandalorian. We did one for every episode throughout the season, and we'll be picking up with one division starting next month. Uh, and we've got a special guest. I'm not going to announce it yet, so it's 100% official. A special guest will be joining us as well to review all six of those episodes of WandaVision. Uh, we just confirmed it today, but we don't want to announce it just yet. We'll let you know very, very soon. We've also got a Wonder Woman review coming this weekend and a Soul Pixar Soul review coming this weekend as well. So look out for that. We may have special guests on that. We don't know yet, but we're certainly planning to do that as well. Is uh, one of the special guests Santa? <laughs> He's here. I know him. I know him. I don't know. He smelled of beer and cheese last time. Uh, <laughs> beef and cheese, rather. Beef and cheese. Uh, but yeah. We're going to get into, uh, we're gonna, for those of you who are new, thank you, as I said, for those of you who are coming back, thanks so much for staying aboard the Geek Buddy Train. What we do is each of us takes a geek news item, we discuss it amongst ourselves, take a little bit of a break, and jump into our main topic. And our main topic today is that whole Luke Skywalker debate. No spoilers uh, until we get to that discussion, but when we get into that discussion, we will be having some spoilers there. I didn't mention where it showed up. I didn't mention where it That is a non-spoiler Luke Skywalker reference. We will getting into the history of Luke Skywalker in our main event. Uh, our main let, us unearth, let us unearth the controversy from 1987. <laughs> Absolutely. We're getting into all of that. So, uh, and, and based on the Scott Mendelson article on Forbes, who was... Uh, one of my friends, and I've known him uh, for a while, both in and out of that job. So uh, it's going to be an interesting thing to talk about for sure. But let's uh, get into it. Uh, gentlemen, are we ready? I was born ready. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I like it. All right. I, mean, I, let her, I let her, I, I've been wrapping presents all morning. I watched Muppet Christmas Carol. I'm highly caffeinated. Like, I am ready to rock. Oh, you I'm don't up. say. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Well, I mean, uh, the first thing we need to talk about, speaking of uh, Star Wars, is the book of Boba Fett. It's uh, It was announced uh, a couple of days after the Mandalorian 2 season finale. Apparently, there was some confusion. There is a post-credit scene at the end of uh, the Mandalorian season 2 finale that announced, essentially, that a new series is coming called The Book of Boba Fett. This will be coming December 2021 on Disney Plus. There was some confusion. People were saying, hey, maybe that means the Mandalorian season three is called The Book of Boba Fett. Certainly, Favreau back in April had been talking about a Mandalorian season three. So people were wondering if that was the situation. Because, look, it says The Mandalorian. It doesn't necessarily mean The Mandalorian has to be Dinge Jar, and it could be anybody, it just says The Mandalorian. So, were they going to change to it to be a Boba Fett story? 
while Disney Plus cleared that up by issuing a press release and a tweet, uh, uh, essentially confirming that Book of uh, Boba Fett will be a separate spinoff series occurring during the same timeline as the Mandalorian. So there could be crossover potential and that Fennec Shan will be a part of this series as well. Uh, and he is taking, and it'll be set on Tatooine um, and uh, all of that. So first of all, let's, let's, uh, and it'll start tomorrow Morrison back as Boba Fett as well. And Ming-Na Wen obviously as Fennec Shan. So Mike, I go to you first on this one. What was your reaction to a, that post credit scene and B finally Disney clarifying that two separate shows are going to be happening here. Oh, and by the way, sorry, one last thing, Mandalorian got pushed to later as well. This will be December 2021, and then Mandalorian Season 3 will come out sometime in 2022. So, I'm sorry, Matt, go ahead. Uh, are we allowed to talk about the post credit sequence? I are think we, we have to, uh, because right. that's, what this, that's what this is. Okay, so hey, if you haven't watched it yet, hit pause, go watch it, come back, I'll still be wearing the hat. Um, all right, welcome back. Uh, yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, the post-credit sequence, you know, I, I had heard that there was going to be a post-credit sequence. I had no idea what it was. And then the ending of Mandalorian wrapped up so fully and so satisfyingly to me. I was like, what could possibly come next? And the second that we saw Jabba's Palace, I flipped out because to me, as a little kid, uh, I don't remember my pa- Apparently, my parents took me to see Star Wars when I was like, right, first born. They took me to a drive-in theater in a baby seat. I vaguely remember my dad taking me to Empire, but for me, Return of the Jedi was like the Star Wars movie that I remember seeing in the theater, and Jabba's Palace like blew me away. I wanted every toy, I wanted every character, so just seeing it on screen was great. Uh, seeing the return of Bib Fortuna, also great. <laughs> Dude had, uh, I, think I, I, like, I was wondering, like, do you have to gain a lot of weight to sit on Jabba's thing, like Jabba's, Jabba's little throne there, because he had really put on the pounds. But, uh... But yeah, Boba coming in, Fennec Shan, you know, kind of taking out Bib Fortuna and sitting in it. Like, it was great. The Book of Boba thing came up. And here's what I'm actually really excited about is yeah. as far back as when Lucasfilm and Disney were rele- were uh, going to do all of those sort of standalone movies. Like when Solo came out and they were like, and there's going to be a Lando and there's going to be a Boba Fett. Like, as a fan of Boba Fett, I was intrigued. Like, is this going to be a prequel? Are we going to kind of see him earlier? Are we going to see him out of the Sarlacc? But it was in a vacuum. It was like, Boba Fett's interesting to me, but I don't, I have no idea what this is going to be. Whereas now, because of his appearance in this season of Mandalorian, uh, we kind of get a little bit more context of like where he's at, who he is as a person now, where we're picking up. And by having that post credit sequence set at Jabba's palace, it really does seem like this is going to be dealing with the underworld of Star mm-hmm. Wars, the scum and villainy part of Star Wars. So we know that Mando season three is going on. That's probably going to be dealing with Mandalorians. We know we have the Ahsoka series that's going to deal with Force and Jedi stuff. We've got the Rangers of the New Republic dealing with sort of the the governmental side, I guess, of the Star Wars universe. But with Fennec and Boba, we've got that whole underworld. And, uh, you know, with Jabba the Hutt being choked out at the end of Jedi... There's a gap in uh, the underworld of the galaxy, and if Boba's going to try and fill that gap, that's a pretty intriguing and awesome story to me. Yeah, uh, Shannon, it seemed like Bib, you know, Bib Fortuna put on, you know, a little, had a little bit of the COVID weight going on there, man, hanging maybe the virus and hit Tatooine as well at some point. So, uh, you know, it's COVID, the COVID twenty on Tatooine. <laughs> and by the way, for anybody who might get a little upset, Bo, I know that for me, I have struggled with my weight in my life. I've been heavier, so this is this is something we can talk about, and we're not fat shaming in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but like, I, I go to, you know, that fat Thor thing became a whole debate, but I don't want it to happen here. 
Shannon, the, the, George Lucas, uh, there had been, you know, plans for an Underworld series on ABC. They had wrote a bunch of scripts. Do you think this is a way kind of backdoor these stories into this Boba Fett series here? 100%. I totally agree with Mike that that this is the way to kind of lurk in that realm of scum and villainy that especially like episode four was so was so it was so prevalent like going in and you see all these rogues all these kind of shady characters in the Moss Eisley Cantina. Um yeah I, I think that's gonna be awesome. And knowing what Boba Fett has kind of gone through, I'm like one, I think we probably will find out maybe in flashback, like okay, how exactly did you get out of this? Like we figured you got out Jawas took your armor and then and then you kind of made made buddies with the with the Tuscan Raiders. But this is a guy who's like, wow, these people who maybe I thought were kind of my associates left me for dead. Um, and so this is a guy who's a little who's a little ticked off now. And I like I know they said the show was going to be set on Tatooine. I highly doubt it'll stay on Tatooine. I think this is a guy who has a vendetta who is going to be going out and basically reclaiming what was his. And Tamora Morrison just was so much fun to watch um, in The Mandalorian. It was so uh, it was so satisfying just to see Boba Fett kick all the ass. We get to see it for the first time rather than hear about it. Yeah. Well, and you look and, and I wonder with this, Mike, I get your thoughts on this. Uh, he's I mean, Fennec Shan and uh, uh, Boba Fett said they were committed to helping the Mandalorian save his child. That does not mean or Baby Yoda, Grogu, whatever you want to say. But that does not mean they're necessarily good people overall. They're bounty hunters. They do their thing. Remember, Cobb Vanth is still on Tatooine. And Cobb, Tatooine, Cobb Vanth had issues with the Tusken Raiders. Is that in some way connected to Boba? Uh, so, I mean, how much of this is going to be Boba being an anti-hero or maybe even a villain in his own piece? And is Cobb Vanth going to be turned into the hero or vice versa? Is Cobb Vanth going to be presented as the villain who stole this armor of Boba's and maybe kind of inflicted his own rule on that town and Boba's got to go save other people from those places. What do you anticipate the series will be about? I anticipate it's going to walk the line. And I think okay. this is what's cool about this side of Star Wars. Uh, to know what Filoni thinks about Boba Fett, you only really have to go back as far as Clone Wars uh, and see the episodes that dealt with young Boba, uh, where he was kind of taken under the wing of Aura Singh, who's another awesome bounty hunter character, and kind of taught the ways. And he was, you know, he definitely was like pissed at the Jedi, wanted to take them out. But even back then, he wasn't fully a bad guy. He was a guy who had his own agenda and wasn't above doing things that other people might look at as bad or villainous. But he ultimately had a, a code that he went by. And I think you saw that in Mandalorian as well, like saying, look, we made a deal, we're sticking to the deal. Like he's not an asshole. Right. He just goes by his own thing. Like even the fact that he was like, we're gonna help you out and then we're gonna get back to our thing. So I think he's gonna walk that line. I absolutely think Timothy Oliphant as Cobb Vanth is coming back into this. Like a thousand percent, I think we're gonna see him in Book of Boba. Um, and I also think that uh, I'm hoping, you know, we we know that we're going to see Fennec Shand in Bad Batch. And we know that Ming-Na Wen is supplying the voice. And so I'm hoping, and I think probably a good chance that we'll also see Boba and Bad Batch. And we may get a little bit more backstory on the two of them and how they came together. And then I'm hoping that that means we can take some of the cooler characters from the scum and villainy side of Clone Wars and maybe see them in live action. Like this seems to me the right time to maybe finally give us a live action Cad Bane, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So uh, these are the things that I get really excited about. 
<laughs> yeah, and Shannon, Michael brings up an excellent point. Uh, Bad Batch is coming, I think, if I'm correct on this, before the Book of Boba Fett. So will that be laying a little bit of the groundwork or foundation for some of the storylines that they'll revisit or touch upon in the Book of Boba Fett? So almost like the Clone Wars um, working in tandem with the with the uh, uh, original, oh, sorry, with the uh, prequel trilogy, instead of working after the prequel trilogy or coming out after the prequel trilogy, this could be a way of kind of making them work in tandem. Uh, in tandem, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, after when when the Bad Patch first you know debuted in the last season of Clone Wars, they were characters. I mean, they, the 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 creators knew what they had. I mean, and that's why the spinoff was already in the works by the time that episode aired. Um, the audience was jazzed to see more of these characters and here's hoping that some of them can make that leap to live action. Like we'd love to see catch up with the bad batch. I mean, I don't know how many seasons that show is going to go, um, but you see, you know, you could see the fate of what happens to some of these characters X amount of years down the line. And personally, man, I would love to see a bad batch video game. Like yeah. just having yeah. the commentary from those care from those individual characters, each mission is sort of, uh, it's it's one character driven. Um, I think those guys are tailor made for a first person shooter. Yeah, and we know uh, from the end of Rebels that Rex fought in the Battle of Endor. So we know that like just from a timeline standpoint, like technically, as long as the Bad Batch survives whatever's going to happen in this series, they'll be older. But technically, in this timeline, they would still logically be around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean this this is the Star Wars A team essentially. Yeah. And I'd love to uh, see, or Expendables, whatever you want to say. And I'd love to get a, uh, a novel about the Bad Batch as well down the road that may be connected in some way to uh, to the animated series. Uh, as I start to get more of these and start to get into them, uh, I would love to read something on that for sure. Uh, so exciting stuff, certainly at Disney. You know, they weren't done making announcements. Uh, we'll get into something later on they made an announcement about as well. Get your dancing shoes on. Uh, that should be interesting on so many levels. But certainly this is an exciting one. We see now very clearly that Disney is Disney and Disney Plus and Lucasfilm, they're just turning the corner here on Star Wars. The, the, the Whatever your feelings are about the sequel trilogy, they clearly want to start focusing more and more on these series. And certainly that season two of Mandalorian shows you the kind of dedication they have to this and the kind of money they want to throw at these series. So it's something to look forward to. This is a great time to be alive to be a Star Wars fan. For sure. No matter what your Star Wars is, you know, it's all there for you to enjoy. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go on to our next topic. Who's got that one? Uh, that would be me. And uh, in addition to being a Star Wars fan, uh, another thing that some of us here on the Geek Buddies are fans of uh, are classic 80s comedies, one of which is Coming to America. Uh, and so for those that are excited about the upcoming Coming to America 2, uh, Amazon Prime released a trailer this week, a teaser trailer that uh, kind of shows you our classic characters back in action, gives you a little bit of the story, uh, and it was awesome. Uh, it was great. It's really exciting. Uh, Coming to America is being directed by Craig Brewer, who uh, last worked with Eddie Murphy on Dolomite, uh, written by Kenya Barris, and... Basically, most of the original cast is returning. Uh, we've got Eddie Murphy, obviously, Arsenio Hall, James Earl Jones, uh, Louis Anderson, Sherry Headley, John Amos, Vanessa Calloway. And then we have new people joining, uh, Kiki Lane, Wesley Snipes, Tracy Morgan, Tiana Taylor, Leslie Jones, who we see in the trailer, uh, and Jermaine Fowler, who is playing 
Eddie Murphy's long-lost son. So based on the trailer, we now know that uh, what Coming to America is about is that uh, Eddie Murphy, at some point while he was back in Queens, uh, that made it didn't make it into the movie. It's on the cutting room floor. But he hooked up with someone. I believe it's Leslie Jones' yes, character. Leslie Jones. Yep. And, uh, and had himself an illegitimate child that he needs to come back and get because that kid is a prince of Zamunda. Yeah. Uh, so that is the story that we're dealing with. That's what brings them back. But... That is not what the best part of the trailer is. Like, that's awesome. It's great. Like, that's the story device. But seeing these characters back, not just uh, not just Wes, uh, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall as the main characters, but as all of the other characters that they play. Because one of the best parts about the original Coming to America is that Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall each play like four or five different characters, uh, most notably in uh, the barbershop scene. Uh, which kind of the end of the trailer is kind of a just showboating the fact that these guys are back, back in the makeup, and they have not missed a beat, and it is absolutely hilarious. Guys, <laughs> what did you think of the trailer? How excited are you for coming to America? I really like the trailer. I'm cautiously optimistic. Oh, come um, on! I, I'm cautiously optimistic. Oh, I, I, want, I want this movie to be incredibly funny because I, I love the original coming to America. Um I, you know, Eddie Murphy hasn't had a hit in a, in a, in a decent amount. Arsenio Hall really hasn't been acting in film for even longer. Uh, my hope is that it is going to be, that it's going to be a very, very satisfying experience. Obviously, this you know, it's being released by Paramount. The intention was for it to be released in theaters, but yeah. then from COVID, it got hooked up with Amazon Prime really, really fast, at least from an announcement standpoint. So, you know, we don't know as the, as the viewing audience, we don't know how long these talks were going on, but they just seemed okay with getting rid of it very, very quickly. At least that's, that's from my point of view. So I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, the fact that Wesley Snipes is in it, a lot of people forget like, cause they remember Wesley Snipes from the nineties as the action guy, demolition man. And, uh, He's really, really funny. Yeah. Um, like all you have to do is just go back to Major League and you see like Wesley Snipes is hilarious. If you watch Dolomite on Netflix, what a what a crazy, crazy funny performance that he turned in. So the fact that he is uh, he's the ruler of like their their neighboring nation, I yeah. believe, right? Um I, I'm re- I'm really, really hopeful, but uh my fingers are crossed. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, this to me is the apex of Eddie. This is, I mean, I grew up, Eddie's my guy. Eddie's what I grew up with. Eddie taught me to cuss. Eddie is my number one favorite comic, stand-up comic. And I watch anything Eddie does, even Mr. Church. I will give a day, a thousand words or whatever it was. Like, I've, I've always tried to watch his films to see if maybe there's a shred, a little bit of the old Eddie still around. And Dolomite is my name was such a godsend. For those of us who love Eddie as much as we do, seeing his work and him and Wesley working so well, having Craig Brewer be behind this thing. And when you see the trailer, you can tell Paramount spent money here. It looks like they wanted this to look good. They wanted this to look theatrical. The designs, Ruthie Carter did the, the all the costume, which she did Black Panther. They said when uh, when uh, James Earl Jones put on the crown, the, 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 the production crew spontaneously erupted into laughter, seeing him as the king of Zamunda again, or the king in retirement of Zamunda again, seeing Eddie as Akeem again, seeing Arsenio uh, again in this just made semi. 
as Sammy, right? They haven't missed a beat in their chemistry. They haven't missed a beat. Sherry Headley coming back is great to see. The barbershop, yes, the barbershop clearly exists in a time machine because all these gentlemen would be dead. They, they would be so dead. I don't care. Yeah, I know, but it works because it's so funny and you give <laughs> it leeway because it's a comedy. They're 175 years old each and I don't give a shit. I don't care. If they're, they're, maybe they're all vampires in Brooklyn. I don't care. I'm all for it being a part of this thing. <laughs> But, hey. uh, but the, joke, <laughs> the jokes are all there at the end. And listen, this is my number one favorite 80s comedy. It cannot be touched. It's so funny. It's so quotable. And it's great to see all these people. And the fact that Louis Anderson might be back. Is he the owner of McDowell's at this point? I know, what right? This point? Or has he graduated to Fry Cook? I don't know what it is. But I love it. John Amos being back. So all of it, it looks like a lot of fun. That's what the trailer kind of conveyed to me. It's a lot of fun. We're not trading on nostalgia. This is a new story. He did have uh, he did have relations with Leslie Jones. It's an illegitimate child. We have to bring him back. Wesley Snipes is the neighboring country that's trying to take over Zamunda. So maybe kind of a latent little bit of a Black Panther storyline there where he's basically a Killmonger type who's taking it over. And he looks like he's having a ball. Uh, oh, yeah. So all of it just works so well. And I was laughing my balls off. And I love it. I, I can't wait uh, to see a longer trailer. And I can't wait to see this thing on March 5th. It's circled. It's circled. Yeah, I think that uh, it's the behind the scenes, like to your point about the Craig Brewer, but like like of the from the Dolomite and the Kenya Barris part of it, like I feel yeah. like that's a good combination to kind of make this not just a retread of what we've seen. And even the as much as I just thought the jokes in the barbershop scene at the end of the trailer were hilarious. Every like, oh look, it's uh, it's Kunta Kinte and Ebola, like whatever. <laughs> but like like the like those were all good. But then the guy in the chair being like, oh, it's the dead babies with the flies out, and they're like, okay, that's racist. Get out of here. Like like it just. There was sort of like a, a sophistication to the humor that I was like, I feel like this is what this should be. Like, I yeah. feel like we're in the right spot. I gotta say, the, <laughs> this just made me think of it. I was laughing, I was telling somebody. I loved Coming to America so much that when I was in middle school, one of my friends brought a VHS tape of Coming to America, but we took it out of the box and we just put it on the shelf in my history teacher's room. <laughs> right. And then he was like going through things and he's like, what is this? And we're like, what does it say? Is this coming to America? And we were like, oh, I think that's a documentary about yeah. Africa. Yeah. We should watch it. And so he puts it on and he made it all the way through the credits. He even saw Eddie Murphy sitting in the pool, didn't realize it was Eddie Murphy. Like he's sitting there and it wasn't until the woman comes up topless and says the royal <laughs> penis is clean, sir. And he's like, whoa, 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 what is this? What are you guys doing? We... <laughs> one of the highlights of my middle school experience. Yeah, I've heard, that story. I've heard that story many times. And being friends with you, we hear how much you enjoy coming to America. Those of us who are real friends with you, who understand and heard your love of coming to America many times. A little reference to the uh, back and forth between uh, our friends on, uh, on Twitter. But also Garzelle, Garcelle Bouvois has come back as well. She's the one throwing the flowers out. She's the one in yeah. coming to America as well. So I wonder if we'll get a Paula Abdul sighting. I wonder if we'll get a that body by Jake guy. I wonder if he'll show up still driving the cab. Like I think God. they can make little references uh, that'll just be quick in and out references to people who were there before. So I would love to see that. And uh, it, it, I get your costly up, Shannon. I totally get it. We've seen these things crash and burn before. Certainly, people talk themselves into liking that Bill and Ted face the music. Uh, uh, but this feels like they legitimately. And I get your case. I get your case that they sold it quick. But they sold it for $125 million. It was not cheap. They had to work out what to pay Eddie. Uh, so, And I think they just wanted to get. And remember, they were originally going to drop this thing 
last weekend. So they had enough confidence in it to drop it around Christmas time. Yeah. Not in January. They wanted to drop it at Christmas time. So I think that bodes well. But I get I've got, I'm sort of optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. I've got I, I totally get that. Like I think any of these reboots of things that we love, like and there will be more to come. Like there's always a bit of like, did you do this right or are you gonna fuck me over? Because we've been fucked over on so many reboots and sequels and Johnny is right. As much as I enjoyed Bill and Ted Face the Music on my couch, had I seen that in theaters, I don't think I would have been as amused. (laughs) Uh, So I think it's absolutely fair. Uh, For some reason, I've got a good feeling on this one. Like I'm very excited, so we'll see. I I, I hope you're right. I mean, I hope that this is not a cash grab. the fact that Craig Brewer, that he directed him in My Name is Dolomite, and then he brought him back for this, and the fact that Wesley Snipes and Eddie Murphy worked together in My Name is Dolomite, yeah, that yeah. He, he saw the comedic potential. But there are also times when I've seen Eddie Murphy, where I'm like, oh, man, it just seems like the light has has gone out in your eye a little bit. Like, that, I, I yeah. referenced that Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee episode, which is, you know, one of my favorite shows. And he just, his heart just didn't seem to be in it. And like, yeah. they would cut to his old stand-up specials where he's just a live wire. And it's like, ah, oh, like, I get that you're an older guy now. But, yeah. man, I hope I hope that guy isn't gone forever. Huh. Yeah. Everybody. I mean, look at Luke. All right. Anyway, uh, you know, as he got older. So, anyway, all right. So that's March 5th, 2021, Amazon Prime. Put it on your calendar. Shannon, what's our last story? So we got some Marvel tidbits. Kevin Feige has been out doing some interviews in preparation for uh, WandaVision coming out. And he dropped a few tidbits that I think are are pretty fun. The first one is that he confirmed that She-Hulk is going to be a half-hour legal comedy, which is something that, you know, Marvel, has they have done funny before. But the fact that they're leaning into this half-hour comedic format... Uh, it is really fun. I mean, we they have not definitively said what the episode links are going to be for WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier. He did say in one of the interviews, they're roughly going to be about an hour. So knowing that they're embracing this shorter time, and already I'm thinking like, all right, it's a comedy. So the first time Jennifer Walters hulks out, she's going to be in a courtroom. That's, that's, that's my guess right now. We also found out that uh, Chadwick Boseman didn't just voice one episode of What If, and apparently he voiced numerous ones. And Kevin Feige said in that interview that he was that the, the performance just means so much more now because it's, it's this gift that, we are, that we've been given a year after, you know, Chadwick Boseman kind of tragically passed away. And also, ringing in 2021, uh, Marvel is doing something with the Billy Billy Fest, I believe is what it's called. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's like a, it's a show, a concert aimed at uh, young, young Chinese adults. Um, and they're going to be having some sort of Marvel music presentation where they also are going to be... Uh, exhibiting some of the stuff that they have coming out in 2021. So I know that is a ton of stuff to process right now. Gentlemen, what are your thoughts? Uh, Mikey? Uh, I mean, yeah, we already knew that Chadwick Boseman was voicing uh, T'Challa in the What If series. And from the trailer, we know that it's sort of what if T'Challa became became Star-Lord, basically, at least in one of them, if not more. Um, But just, you're right, like knowing he's going to be in multiple episodes, knowing we get to see him play that role again, even if it's in these alternate realities, it is just going to be super affecting. It's going to be super great. Uh, It's one more reason out of the thousands of reasons to be excited about What If. Uh, 
you know, it's, 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 I'm so excited for all the Marvel shows, but being an animation guy and seeing the quality of the animation, like every new little tidbit we get about what if makes me more and more and more excited. So that's awesome. This Marvel musical thing, I said this morning, I'm a gay nerd. Like he said, Kevin Feige comes out and he's like, we're doing a Marvel musical thing on New Year's. And I'm like, I have been training my entire life for this moment. I am ready. I don't, what is it? Jellical superheroes, I'm in. Like, just give oh. it to me. Like, I, I'm ready. Uh, so that's great. And like, the She-Hulk news has me the most excited because uh, for anyone who's ever read uh, the She-Hulk comics, like, She-Hulk is at her best when it is a screwy comedic corner of the Marvel universe, where Pete, where characters can show up and we get to see them in a different light because we're so used to seeing heroes in life and death moments where you know all of life is on the line the chitauri have invaded new york the infinity gauntlet is fully loaded and ready to go the galaxy is on the line but it's really funny to see star lord parked uh parked the milano in new york city and got a boot on it or you know like the random silly things that come up in a superhero's life uh, and it could be anybody. I mean, Kevin Feige already said, you know, there's no telling who we're going to see. So does that mean she's going to walk into a courtroom one day and Matt Murdock is going to be standing there and that's the way that we start to bring him into this stuff and everybody screams and goes crazy? Or does it mean that Peter Parker shows up as Tom Holland comes in and he's got like some issue? I mean, less likely because of the Sony stuff, but the idea that we can see all of these people in a different light that's really funny uh, I think it's going to be a blast. And, you know, we already know that Abomination is in it. We know that Ruffalo's coming back as Bruce Banner. So there's definitely going to be no shortage of Hulkish action. But the fact that it's leaning more comedy, I mean, you know, Feige said, like, they're trying something very different with WandaVision. Uh, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier is much more of like an extended movie. But Loki is super, super weird. And now we know that She-Hulk is a comedy. So it does seem that with these TV shows, uh, in addition to just bringing the Marvel level of storytelling and special effects and everything to Disney Plus, they're also trying to like expand what the Marvel brand is, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I think that's what, uh, I think your last point is the one that I fall back on, Mike, is that I see more and more Marvel is like, okay, how can we expand what we do here? Yes, we've we've had these great films. We've really laid the groundwork here. We've got these shows coming out. WandaVision is clearly going to be something completely different and weird and new. Loki from that trailer looks like it's going to be time jumping, messing around with stuff and, and having some fun. Falcon and Winter Soldier, a little more straightforward for what it is. And Hawkeye is obviously going to be a passing of the torch type of thing. At a, like essentially a pseudo father and daughter type relationship. And that's going to be fun to see. Now let's throw in a half hour comedy or however long this is going to be. And how are they going to make this work? Now, comedy doesn't mean like, you know, two broke girls or something like that. It's going to be something a little more nuanced, I think, a little more interesting in terms of the storylines. I'm not as familiar with Jennifer Walters' run in She-Hulk as you might be, Mikey, but but I like the idea of this being an, an extension. And also, Tatiana Maslany in Orphan Black is very funny. It's not a comedy. Yeah. But there are some comedic moments when she's playing all these different characters that she hits the beats on perfectly. So I, this excites me. You know, I, we just saw her in Perry Mason. If you haven't watched that, she's great. Perry Mason, a lot more serious. So to see her jumping into this is a lot of fun. I don't know how you do comedy with Tim Roth and Abomination. Like maybe you make fun of the fact that that was a way overdone villain and you make some jokes about that. Ruffalo certainly has lighthearted comedy tendencies so he can work well in this when they find him in you matt burdock is a great point you bring up as well all of it works i'm excited for it now that's one subject 
This New Year's Eve thing, I'm getting shades of that 1970s holiday special from Star Wars, and I'm scared. I'm legitimately scared. <laughs> I know it's not for me. I get it. It's not for me. I but I want to enjoy it. I'm just I don't want to see Captain America going, my shield. You know, I just I'm just I've got superheroes. <laughs> superheroes. It's like those old school 70s shows where you saw all the superheroes doing their thing. So I don't know. I just get a little worried, but you know, but in, in everyone says in Feige you trust, and people need to really let go of the fact that China is of China is a very important part of these studios. And the box office and the money they make to keep doing the content we enjoy, they make a lot of money in China. So if they're catering to China with certain things, that's important to keep the cash flow going so that we can all enjoy the extension of that, which is all these other shows and films and media that they do. Now, personal feelings is that you can have personal issues with human rights stuff going on there. You can have stuff, go, you know, issues with what they've done in China. I totally respect that. But for me, I don't. Uh, I, it's a business, and the business has to operate, has to function, and it makes sense that they're doing this. What do you guys? Think? Any any final words on that? I mean, like it's the Jennifer Walters of it all. I think She Hulk has 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 you know it's it, it's this it's this constant shuffling of the Disney Plus series that I'm the most looking forward to. Yeah. Um, you know, going in, it was Falcon and Winter Soldier. Then after the presentation, it was Loki, and now the whole idea that we're going to get the Marvel comedy, and you could have sort of a revolving door of guest stars that she has to defend for any sort of super related superhero offensive or uh, offenses um that's that's awesome um the the what if thing as mike said like that that is going to be the show like i i think as fans right now that's the show we're we're really really excited about and that's the show that i think the public will get more excited about once they understand okay what is this exactly why is why is captain america a zombie the New Year's Eve thing. I mean, I, I don't, I, 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 I don't, I don't know. Shannon, as a theme park, uh, a veteran, jazz hands. <laughs> I, I, for New Year's Eve, working yeah. in theme parks, I have been a part of some truly bananas shows. Part of that was at Universal Japan, where Charlie Chaplin was running around in Waterworld. Like, why do those two belong together? Uh, Japan. Um, uh, but honestly, I don't think like, I don't know. I don't think uh, Scarlett Johansson is going to come out and start singing (laughs) for for this. I'm guessing it's going to be more like sort of what I'm hoping is like sort of a medley of the Marvel themes. And then the real show is the showcase of what we're going to see, what we have coming down the pipe for 2021. I, I know this is not what it's going to be. I know this is not it, but like now I can't help, but like take the, the Broadway musical part of my brain and the Avengers part of my brain. And like, as soon as you said that, I was like, it's like Black Widow on Boromir after she's like gone over the edge and she's just like, on my own, pretending he's beside me. Like I can, I can literally, I know that's not what we're getting on New Year's, but I'm ready. Uh, one last thing, Johnny, to your yeah. point. I mean, like, we, like having read the Jennifer Walters, like I think it's the Dan Slott run of She-Hulk, which I think this is really, but like is going to be more based on like, to your point, that that world was so screwy. It would be the type of show. I'm not saying this is necessarily what they're going to do, but it would be a abomination is getting sued for property damage and jennifer walters represents him and the hulk shows up and is like i'm gonna beat him up he's a bad guy and she's like no he's my client like they they have they go down that road like it gets bonkers bananas and it if they nail it 
it's going to be stupidly funny. Okay. It's like Space Ghost Coast type of thing. Like, uh, what's that? Could have that vibe to it, definitely. Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, get your thoughts on this. I just, uh, uh, I broke this morning. I, I forgot to mention to you guys before we started, but um, Daphne Keene gave an interview. You know, she's on His Dark Materials. You know, she was X23 and Logan gave an interview and they asked her about possibly, there have been rumors about her possibly returning in Deadpool 3 as X23. Would you guys want to see her returning she said you know that, that there had been uh, uh x23 had been in the works as a separate film her kind of uh, branching off but they of course put a kibosh on it once disney bought it but they've said they want to start over again with this new would the fact that they're bringing ryan reynolds back for deadpool 3 would them bringing daphne key back as x23 in deadpool 3 would that work and kind of turn the dynamic around where it's a you do have a Wolverine in an, a Deadpool movie, but it's more a matter of that she's younger than him, so maybe she's the one needling him and not vice versa, like he likes to do to Wolverine. Would that be interesting to you guys, or do you think they just have to start over again, even with X23? I think with them going full multiverse, Deadpool yeah. will permanently be in its own universe. Oh, I don't really? think oh, I don't I don't I don't really see him being sort of introduced into our kind of Marvel Prime universe. Okay. Uh, that being said, uh, Deadpool paired up with a kid. I didn't particularly enjoy that in Deadpool too. Hmm. Um, that may have had more to do with the kid from the hunt for the wilder people. I think maybe. Yeah. Um, it's possible. Uh, but her, I mean, like you're getting, you're getting the idea of a Ryan Reynolds, Hugh Jackman pairing, but instead of Hugh Jackman, it's going to be Daphne Keene. And I think they will have tons of fun if that's where they go. They will have tons of fun at Hugh Jackman's expense uh, with that pairing. Oh, I didn't even think about that at Jackman's expense. Yeah. What, what do you think, Mike? Is this, uh, what do you think happened here? Happens I don't here. know. I, I agree with Shannon. Like now that like, and this is true of DC as well. Like once you're opening up the multiverse, like. All bets are off. You can do whatever you want. I think the big question, and this applies to both Deadpool and uh, X23, is how are how are mutants coming in? Right. Like, yeah, like I think I think that the what? entire the in, well, anything that you want to do with Deadpool kind of popping in and out of the 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 regular mainline MCU with X23 becoming like because like I could see with them going with all these younger heroes and kind of looking like they're building a Young Avengers. Yeah, I can see a world where they launch the X Men without a Wolverine, without she's a male, without a male Wolverine, yeah. and we just have female Wolverine, and she is to a whole generation of kids the Wolverine that they know, and I think that is highly likely. I think they could very much do that. And I would be super on board with them doing that because I think that X-23 is X-23 is awesome. X-23 is just Wolverine, like not Wolverine Prime, not not Mrs. Wolverine, not anything. She's just Wolverine is pretty badass. Um, And I think that would be great, but it's just, it all, I don't really know what they're gonna do with either Deadpool or her if she shows up in that universe until I can kind of like get my head around this is where mutants come from. And yeah. once we know, if, if mutants are all coming from some other universe that has mutants, if mutants are going to all of a sudden spontaneously combust on Earth, if the Eternals movie is about doing something that's going to alter human evolution, like there's a lot of options that people have been banding around on lo- online. And I think once that's set, then I could see that happening. And so it really kind of depends on where Deadpool 3 falls and where they've started to seed the mutant stuff. 
Yeah, that's a great point. I brought that up on SEN Live, the idea that she could be this new generation's Wolverine. And it's also, and as you were talking, Mike, it got me thinking, it's also a great way to avoid the whole, like, well, he isn't Hugh Jackman. That's not my Wolverine. Yeah. You avoid that whole thing. You sidestep it completely by just having someone like Daphne come in come in and build the X-23 out, like build her out her own and, and, and make her own legacy as the Wolverine in this universe uh, but Shannon, you might be right. Maybe it's just an alternate thing and they keep it there and they maybe only rarely cross it over. Uh, but I, I think Daphne Keene deserves another shot at playing X-23. She's so great in that movie. Yeah. I'd be so happy to see her step in uh, in there. So, uh, all right. Well, let's take a, a little bit of a break here and we'll get into our main topic, um, which will be the legacy of Luke Skywalker and more. All right. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> Trademark, no spoiler. Trademark, spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, All right, there we go. I think that was long enough. All right, we're we're back here. Let me put up the graphics again. I always uh, always find them again. That's not it. That's not it. Oh, I'll find it at some point. Keep talking. So anyway, uh, today what we're doing here, Jesus, where is it? There it is. There. Uh, I have so many of them, ladies and gentlemen. I apologize. We can uh, we can cut all that out. We can cut yeah, all that out. You can. Uh, <laughs> let's jump into things. Uh, so uh, our main topic today is going to be addressing, and this is uh, right off the bat. Spoiler alert: If you haven't seen uh, the end, uh, season two of The Mandalorian, please stop it now. Uh, and uh, go watch it and then come back. Uh, or if you don't care, keep listening, keep watching. But what, are, you, what is what, what is the uh, I, I actually had this conversation on Twitter this weekend. What is the broadly speaking uh, expiration on spoilers? Like I definitely on Friday, we, obviously, we all watch Mandalorian yeah. here and talk about it. But like I wasn't doing any spoilers. And I kind of said to myself, I'm going to wait till Monday before I post any yeah. funny things. But like what is the. Uh, timeline there do you think from a geek standpoint what do you guys think it is i think it i think it depends on the medium yeah i think if you if if you have seen something in a theater the nice thing to do is two weeks don't talk about it of course that doesn't happen um television like if you're watching the finale of like you know mad men or some big network show you you got a few days and i think streamers i mean friday morning yeah it, it was it was it was popping out what what had happened and uh, you know, my girlfriend who who has not watched any Mandalorian since I had to go home. Um, I was just like, listen, do not go on any social media because the huge spoiler is out there. And she, to this point, has not seen a thing. Wow. So that's, that's just a testament to her friends list. Yeah, um, that's true. Her feed. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's for so. sure. I think it's I think it's 48 hours. And then maybe a couple, so maybe, maybe till Wednesday of the next week, you don't want to post too much, but certainly that isn't the case for a lot of people though, Mike, a lot of people are posting that day. I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying I'm with you, man. I know know that for myself, I have to like, I didn't, you know, aside from Roka sending a random text that kind of only like 20% ruined it for me. (laughs) I didn't, I actually did pretty well. I actually did pretty well, but like, I understand that people are going to do what they do and there's people that are going to spoil it right away. I just think for myself, uh, yeah, it was kind of like a 48 hour, like it hit on Friday and I was like, I feel like on Monday I can start. I'm not going to like just do a spoiler dump, but I can start referring to things that happened. And I feel like if you haven't seen it by this point, it is what it is. But that was curious. There's no concrete rule. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that's kind of what I was going to say, John. Like, with people, people are assholes. Like, sometimes people, yeah. it's going to be an individual person who can most likely spoil it for you. What really irritates me is when a news outlet does it. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. Huge, huge character shows up, and they have a still of said character. It's like, yeah. don't have some sort of... Have well, some sort of responsibility here. Like that's that's jacked yeah. up. I'll do that. I agree with that. Having worked for an outlet, I can tell you, uh, it's about getting those clicks, man. It's about getting those hits, and for them, they'll take the negative hit because so many people will have watched it day of or that time or in, at when it dropped uh, and all of that. So for them, they think they can offset the negative reaction with the positive clicks and interactions and what have you. I don't think it's the right thing to do, but these sites have to survive on these clicks. They get ads yeah. off these clicks. So it's like, it's a catch 22 for them. And I, and I totally understand that. Uh, and we do that. We try to be very clear when we're doing our things. I tried on the thumbnails for the Mandalorian stuff. I tried to find the thumbnails that did not give away anything. I purposely did not put any of those thumbnails for our finale that had uh, Luke on it. So uh, that's that's the thing. But anyway, that's what we're getting into today. Let's get into it. Luke Skywalker, he did show up at the end of The Mandalorian Season 2. He took baby uh, Yoda or Grogu uh, in a very sweet and tender moment uh, uh, between between after a very sweet and tender moment between The Mandalorian and Din and Grogu. And now there's been and, – and the face, it was a little bit of the uncanny valley. There was certainly CG. Mark Hamill was on set. He did do the voice. They did adjust some of the uh, audio for his voice to make him sound like he did at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi. So there's a lot. But then there's been a lot of backlash to this, both the CGI, the idea that he showed up, and uh, certainly Scott Mendelson's article in Forbes uh, made a lot of damning statements, a lot of strong statements, lumping people uh, into certain clubs that aren't part of those clubs because of certain things lining up. Uh, and uh, I thought it was a bit of an unfair article, but then again, I think he's hunting for clicks as well. Uh, and I don't think he 100% believes uh, some of the stuff you're having known Scott in real life. So all of this stuff, though, has been has become drama of the idea of Luke showing up. Is it nostalgia? Is it fan service? Is it innovative? Uh, is it an insult to the younger fans? So, Mikey, please take it away. What's your feeling on all this? Well, yeah, it seems to me just in observing everything that there's sort of like uh, three or four camps. Like there's the... There's the, this was dumb. He did real. It was just nostalgia. It's just fan service. That what this, they should have done something. And sort of to Scott Mendelson's article in Forbes, uh, why aren't they doing new stuff? They're just trying to please the old fans and give like the 40 year old Star Wars fans what they want. Mm -hmm. Then there is the, uh, this was amazing. I absolutely loved it. This is why I hate you so much, Last Jedi. Last Jedi ruined Luke Skywalker. This is the Luke Skywalker I always wanted to see. Look how excited everybody is. Suck it, Ryan Johnson. Kathleen Kennedy, you're an idiot. There's a lot of that. So there's the, this is what I've always wanted. And then there is more of the, uh, I'll, call, I'll call it the middle ground. I'll call this, yeah. this is where I sit. Uh, so obviously I think this is the right one. But um, <laughs> this is the, it's the, this was amazing. This really makes the most sense for this era of Star Wars. And this actually makes Luke Skywalker's arc into Last Jedi uh, start to make more sense. And it's going to actually make that uh, 
a better ending for Luke than people than a lot of people who aren't fans of Last Jedi felt that it was. Mm-hmm. All let's yeah. say. Shannon, yeah, I mean, like, uh, the Michael brings up a great point to the idea of Luke Skywalker, and I'll mention uh, uh, one of the uh, one of the people that uh, I retweeted earlier this week, and his philosophy and his point of view, which I thought was very well laid out, but this idea that this is, in a way, kind of showing, yes, that this is the Luke at this time, and this is the Luke to the badass, but this isn't the Luke 30 years later. This is the Luke as a young man at the prime of his powers as a Jedi and all of that. So what was your reaction to this? And do you think it's fan service or do you think it actually worked? I mean, I think it worked. I'm not thrilled with the choice because the story didn't go where I wanted it to go. (laughs) And and at the end of the day, I ain't telling the story. I mean, I was not ready to say goodbye to the dynamic that was Dinjarin and Grogu in its current in its current state. I I wanted more of that. Um the the idea that they brought in Luke to me again I know we said this before on our on our uh, recap uh but I'm glad that they did go with the CGI Luke as as not perfect as it was. I like that more than another actor because you pull the hood down and let's say it's Sebastian Stan is like, hey, I'm Luke Skywalker. It's like, uh, that just, that that wouldn't sit right with me. The idea that it's being swallowed by nostalgia, to quote the headline, to me is crazy. Because look at what they announced for, you know, their next, like, what, 10 projects. Um, I, I don't think the Rangers of the New Republic is being swallowed by nostalgia. I don't think the Acolyte is being swallowed by nostalgia. I think to go forward... When you have a massive franchise like this, when you're dealing with video games and you're dealing with films and you're dealing with TV series, you can't ignore the past. Like there, there is value in telling more of those stories, filling in some of those gaps. But to not do anything new would be a bad decision. And that's why they are doing stuff new. We are seeing continuing adventures of Ahsoka. A lot of the people who, who watch Star Wars don't know who Ahsoka is because they didn't watch the Clone Wars. They right. didn't watch Rebels. So I don't agree. Or Bo-Katan. Or Bo-Katan. Yeah. Yeah, Bo-Katan, 100%. I mean, and really, like, the Mandal- I think the thing that really got people jazzed about The Mandalorian was you have a story taking place in this universe that is somewhat familiar, but it is a new story. And you're getting these little, these little sprinkles and and I'm I wouldn't call them nostalgia. I would, they're they're using what is available, mm-hmm. and that's a smart decision, in my opinion. Yeah, it feels oh so good. Look at Mike. No, I, go ahead. I was already. I I want to come back to that point that Shannon made because okay. I do think that there's a, a distinction in what they are doing right yeah. now with Star yeah. Wars and what Scott Mendelson says they're doing, and I think there's a difference. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I I think that I I like the mixture. Uh, I'm I'm more in the camp where you are, Mikey. I like the mixture, and I think I can, you know, kind of connect the pieces and create space for them to creatively connect the pieces as they construct all of this, and that's okay. And I wonder if the same people screaming about this are the same people that loved Creed, bringing back Rocky and then launching the Creed, and then it, bringing back Drago and Creed too. Like that's fan service. That's fucking fan service. So to me, I wonder if it's a subjective thing. Certain things are cool with fan service. Certain things are, oh, you brought back Bill and Ted. Oh, what character? Oh, you brought back death. That's fucking fan service. So to me, it's like if this, if it's organically within what you're creating, it is not fan service. It is building the world out, still having new ideas, but touching base with older characters or touching base with the characters that are the foundation 
of what you create. And this, and I think Mendelssohn's article is a little bit off in that thinking, oh, it was like kind of crapping on the younger fans. The younger fans go back and watch the original trilogy. Let me tell you something. I host a sports show. I host a geek show. I host a pro wrestling show. Young fans go back and watch old sports stuff. Young fans go back and watch old wrestling matches. Young fans go back and watch old uh, old geek stuff, old nerdy stuff to get the foundation to enjoy the characters that are being presented and have a more rich understanding of what those characters are. I mean, no one would say bloodlines with fan service. No one would say Luke showing up. Like All that stuff is important in the mediums that you read them in or watch them in to give a better idea of the overall universe and the arcs of these characters that are connected to this universe. So I just I felt his article was a bit unfair, and especially because he was lumping the same people who enjoyed this uh, uh, with the same people who were trying to usher Rosemary Tran and, and Daisy Ridley off social media. I was one of those people who enjoyed this. I in no way wanted Rosemary Tran or Daisy Ridley to be ushered off social media. So I thought he was a bit unfair on some of the fans who enjoyed this. Go ahead. Kelly, Kelly Marie Tran, who played Rose. Oh, Kelly Marie Tran. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Rosemary Tran and Luke Hamill and Leia Fisher. <laughs> I apologize. And, Har- and, Harrison, and Harrison Solo. Harrison Solo. I like <laughs> um, yeah, like I think that that is, look, I think that, do I think that Luke Skywalker, do I think that a lone X-Wing flying into shot and uh, Cara Dune saying, one X-Wing, great, we're saved, and then having the reveal of the green lightsaber and having the reveal of the glove and having the Luke music swell when he pulls his hood off, is that fan service? In a way, yes. I'm a fan and I am serviced because you are giving me the thing that I want, but it's good. Don't stop it. Stop. Don't make that face, Shannon. Uh, you know what I'm saying. But, uh, but no, it's a, it is a, it, it is well done. It is two people or a team of people that understand what we love about Star Wars and does something that hits all the right notes. Now, Scott Mendelson was kind of also kind of lumping that in with Rise of Skywalker, which did a lot of things that did not sit well. Uh, the Emperor coming back, Chewie getting his medal. There was a lot of moments in Star Wars Rise of Skywalker where you would argue, oh, well, we're doing this thing for the fans. But they're not really because most fans were like, not all fans, and if this was your jam, I totally respect you for it. But in general, I say, I'll say at least the three of us, mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of moments that didn't ring true in the moment. And I think what Filoni has proven from the Clone Wars on um, and what Favreau is doing really great and the entire team is doing is they, are, they have an ability, and they've had it from Clone Wars, where they can take characters that show up in other parts of the saga, bring them into their world, and it fits organically, it services the story, and it services the other newer characters that are there. Mm -hmm. Uh, To your point, Shannon, I don't think that we are necessarily losing the Din Djarin and Grogu dynamic because I don't think Grogu is gone in all of season three. I don't think that he's just disappeared and we're going to see him somewhere in like two series from now. Like, I think that... The bond between them is important. It seems like Filoni and Favreau and the entire team get that. I don't think we're going to lose it. I think Luke showing up in the limited capacity he did made sense for this point in the universe, gave the fans a super thrill that we all were super excited about. And now he's going to go and we'll see how this all ties together. I think that they are taking the pieces, kind of to what you said, they're taking the pieces on the table and they're not going, ooh, this is a really good piece. People are going to love it. Let's wave this in their faces. They're going... This makes sense. Let's use this now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to read a, a. Oh, sorry, Shannon. Did you want to respond to that? I was. Going to I read mean, it, no. I mean, I, I, I hope you're right. I hope you're mm-hmm. right because 
I think the the week to week adventure of Dinjarin and Grogu is it, to me it is gone. Um, now I understand the choice that they made, and I think that was that was that was the right choice. Probably it was just the it was the choice that I didn't want. But ultimately, it's not my story. It's the story that they're telling. Um, the whole fan service thing, like to me, as you said, Rise of Skywalker, that was fan service. Yeah. Um, as much as I did not really enjoy Last Jedi, I think the smart thing to do storytelling wise is you finish that story. <laughs> Is like you know he he has set the he set the pieces down. You've got one more movie. Now is not the time to wipe the board clean and right. do it all over again. Like that was a horrible choice. Um, and, and like apologies if you enjoyed Rise of Skywalker. Um, I also think Ryan Johnson made a mistake with knocking the pieces down that J.J. Abrams set up. I mean the whole trilogy for me was was problematic like that. Yeah. Um, and hopefully now I think they have seen. Uh, the results of that and that they probably won't do that again. Yeah. I mean, well, that's what works best. What you saw in Mandalorian for the most part is what people fell in love with star Wars for in the, in the first place in 1977, when this whole thing kicked off. And so that's a really important thing to remember and consider. And I, I want to read a couple of sequences from, or a couple of paragraphs from Scott's article here, just to give the context here. He said the Luke sequence intentional or not acts as a request answer to many of the worst and most toxic would be Star Wars fans, the one who chased Kellen Tran and Daisy Ridley off social media and swore that The Last Jedi ruined Star Wars precisely because it didn't feature Luke Skywalker hacking and slashing his way through First Order troops like a Jedi Academy or Super Star Wars video game character. The announcement in that mid-credits sting that the first two seasons of The Mandalorian were essentially a backdoor pilot for a he's cool now Boba Fett show flies in the face of any fans young enough to not care about the guy who Darth Vader could barely tolerate in The Empire Strikes Back and who died a comedic death in Return of the Jedi. Those fans don't matter. And yes, many of the folks who spent the last 40 years swearing that Boba Fett was cool, despite no in-movie evidence, were the same folks who couldn't believe that Daisy Ridley's Rey could be a Jedi with minimal training, were outraged that Ahsoka could best Darth Maul in a lightsaber combat, and swore that a nine-minute character-specific subplot Concerning Boyega and Kelly Marie Tran ruined the 150 minute Last Jedi. Um, yeah, so uh, that's what he's saying here. Uh, and he says it sends a clear signal about the future of Star Wars. Uh, Mike, thoughts on these two paragraphs? Real quick. Those two paragraphs are, uh, pardon me, complete ridiculousness. Okay. Like they're ridiculous. Like, look, trying to say that every single person who got excited that Luke Skywalker did something cool hates the women of Star Wars and hates Last Jedi is such an overly broad statement that it's just bananas. Yeah. Uh, you can, as I said, and as uh, the guy that you retweeted, uh, who oh, you yeah. were tweeting with, has said, yes. uh, you right. can actually like both. And like Luke Skywalker, five years after Return of the Jedi, isn't going to be a cranky old guy who's going to drink weird green milk and throw his lightsaber. Mm -hmm. But... You need this guy to be awesome now to be untouchable and invincible so that when you get to the Luke in Last Jedi, you go, oh, he went, he, he had a moment where he thought he was every, you know, like and any, any arc of any athlete, sports star, uh, you know, historical figure, you have the, I was doing great, I flew too close to the sun or something horrible happened. 
I had my fall. We're seeing Luke at the other end of this, and that doesn't mean that, oh, let's just give the fans what they want and let's ignore all the stuff from before. It means, and, and Filoni and his team didn't do that with Clone Wars. They didn't do that with Rebels. Like, this is a team that has shown they're not going to wipe away the stuff that they don't like or that whatever and just give the fans what they want. They're going to use the story that's there and they're going to build it out and flesh out some parts that maybe weren't fully fleshed out. And that's what we're seeing right now. And on the other front, his whole sort of uh, anger at Boba Fett. Like, first of all, the first two seasons of Mandalorian are not a backdoor pilot for Boba Fett. They're the first two seasons of Mandalorian. And there's clearly a story there about Mandalore and the Darksaber and Bo-Katan and Din Djarin that has been uh, started in Clone Wars and continues to go. The fact that we got Boba to come back and become an interesting character in his own right, despite what happened in Empire and Jedi, is just good storytelling. So I think that uh, I think that uh, Scott Mendelson is someone, it seems, and you know him and I don't, yeah. it seems like he very much likes Last Jedi, which I respect because I too very much like Last Jedi. But I think that just because you like that Ryan Johnson did something different with Star Wars does not mean that you should automatically crap on the people that are taking all the pieces that exist in Star Wars and doing interesting things with them. I, I also would like to encourage writers to stop saying most people, most of them, most, you have no fucking clue. You have not, uh, uh, um, uh, you have not spoken to most people or all the people so that you can delineate the actual usage of the word most or, or, or a majority and lumping in people, even when you say a majority or a most, you're saying essentially the people who do feel this way are also the same people. You're lumping the people who do not want to push these women off social media or go after these women with the same people who did. And I think that's irresponsible uh, of him to write that down. But look, Scott is a very intelligent guy. I've had great back and forth with him. He can defend the point like few others. And, uh, I, I, you know, it's a great debate to have. I thought he made some good points in the article as well. Uh, but I think overall, some of these points, I think, are a bit unfair uh, to certain characters and to those of us who love those characters. Uh, Chan? Yeah, I mean, I like, when these movies are being made, especially thinking back to, like, what Boba Fett's first appearance was in the holiday special. And they, they had yeah. no idea how popular this character was going to be. Um, I mean, hence hence why he went out the way he went out in Return of the Jedi. Um, same thing with Darth Maul. Like, you know, we look at it now, and that first trailer for Episode One came out, and it's just like, holy crap, this guy's awesome. Oh, why'd you kill him? You know, Darth Maul... Clone Wars was Lucas approved. I mean, yeah. when they came to, with the idea that like, hey, let's let's bring Darth Maul back. Let's give him a robotic lower half. That was that was Lucas approved. I mean, you're you know, you're you're kind of making these things in a vacuum. And so when you see like, oh, they really like this. What can we do with this character? That's interesting. They made Darth Maul freaking awesome yeah. in the Clone Wars, so much so that if Solo had been more successful he was probably going to be the bad guy in future solo installments yeah. so yeah i think that darth, i think you actually make a really good point on darth maul because i think that we're with darth maul you can see the end result of it would have been easy to say when they brought darth maul back in clone wars that's fan service mm. here's a character that fans in general thought was pretty cool looking and he just died right away and got chopped in half and George Lucas fucked up. And so bringing this character back from the dead, literally back from getting chopped in half, oh, that's so fan servicey. But you're exactly right. This is the team that took him and took him from what he was in episode one and went 
overshot that so far to turn him into one of the more complex characters in Star Wars. And I think that's what we're seeing now. I looked up, I went to the Twitter, uh, Johnny, that you reposted because yep. I wanted to give him credit. At uh, uh, AD underscore Strider, Alden yep. Diaz. Yep. Because one of the points that he made that I think is really maybe the best point that he made in his sort of... Uh, his Twitter thread about why the Luke that we see at the end of Mandalorian absolutely syncs up with the Luke that we see in Last Jedi is that, as I was saying, that we do, this is the Luke that just, this dude is five years away from uh, bringing his father back from the dark side. Like the dude redeemed Darth Vader. He's feeling pretty awesome right now. He's in a good spot. And so he's going to go around and get these Jedi and he's like, this is my job. This is my responsibility. I'm going to do this. But it's very telling that Ahsoka Tano three episodes earlier, refused to train Grogu. Yes. And I didn't think about this until he made the point. So props to you, dude, uh, because this is a great point, which is Luke is not at a point where he has seen the really bad shit. That's coming for him. That's coming with Ben Solo. That's coming from the Knights of Ren destroying his temple and him having to deal with that. Ahsoka has seen her master go down the dark path. She has gotten kicked out of the Jedi Temple. She was there... Uh, when the clones turned on her. Yeah. She had to fight the people that she had fought with. Like, she's been through shit. She is further down her journey as a Jedi and is not at the point where she's going to take on Grogu and train him. Luke is because he is not at that point of wisdom yet. He gets to that wisdom later on in Last Jedi when he's not, I'm not going to fight, I'm out of this. And it was, it's very telling and interesting that the same people that think that Luke was bad for making that choice in Last Jedi think Ahsoka is fine for saying she's not going to train Grogu. But you're seeing these people at different points. So I think, again, this team has shown through animation and live action, they know how to take characters that we know and love, mix them with characters that we've never met before, like Fennec Shand, and create something wholly new. So I think that uh, we're on the road to seeing... Um, them do with this new trilogy, for those that aren't the biggest fans of the new trilogy as a whole, they're doing the, and I've said this on our review shows, they're doing the exact same thing they did with Clone Wars. They're filling in the gaps, and we're going to get to a point two years from now, four years from now, nine years from now, where we look back and we go, shit, they they, they made it all work. Mm-hmm. Luke, yeah. all of it. Yeah, and uh, to give credit, Alden Diaz is the co-host of uh, Octo Radio, uh, which is a Star Wars podcast. You want to hear more of what he's got to say. And he's also an executive producer of iHeartRadio's Totally 939 Miami. His thread is a pretty incredible thread. And it's something that, like, uh, my issues with Last Jedi are my issues with Last Jedi. But I thought it was still a very ballsy decision of Ryan to show you what happens to a man who was in his prime in the twenties and thirties and stuff doesn't work out for him. And I, I think people got depressed to see that people didn't want to see that people were upset to see that, but in real life that does happen. Michael Jordan came back and played for the wizards and it was terrible. Like, Oh, like the people who used to be in their prime uh, and then confront getting older and they, uh, they, they see the errors of what they did. They see the hubris of what they did, the arrogance, the cockiness. Remember Luke is a headstrong stubborn guy and he goes and does things he he leaves yoda's training to go and save his friends even though he shouldn't he does what he wants to do and sometimes what you realize in life is that has consequences for you as you get older trust me i know from my own personal experience stuff i did in my 20s and 30s that i thought maybe cock of the walk you pay for it in your 40s and older you know those are the things that you learn as you get older so i thought alden's uh entire thread spoke to me on a, on a lot of levels as Logan did 
as yeah. a film, as Logan did. And for those of you who are still young, you don't get it yet. And I'm not trying to school you like an older man or whatever. I'm just telling you, you don't get it yet. As you get older, you'll see, you'll understand, and you'll have a, say, a different perspective and maybe a greater appreciation for Ryan's decision. That doesn't mean I, I like hope. the movie. It means that I, I, I respected the ballsy decision to show a hero uh, uh, who is uh, confronting uh, some of the damage from the past. Yeah, I hope I hope when Shannon and I are as old as you, we're as wise as you are, John. Rogan. You know what? You know. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that, but that's well, years away from that's now. Years oh, yeah. from yeah. now, it's you, so yeah. far. Ellen Alice, so far, all just youngins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come and find me on my island. Come and find me on my island. <laughs> Just my picture cool. you in your in your outlaw hat, like just throwing a microphone over your, over your shoulder. <laughs> there was a time, you know. There was, oh yeah, the outlaw, Schmodown legend. Yeah, it'll be like that. <laughs> Come train me. Yeah. Look, anyway, uh, yeah. Any final words on this? Because uh, we're at already an hour and yeah. five. We'll wrap it up. Yep. Uh, I I was I mean my final words are literally that I think that uh you know obviously Star Wars is a fandom that has very strong opinions. And like looking at like uh, the, the the Twitter thread, Alden's Twitter uh, thread combined with Scott Mendelson's article, there is a wide variety of reactions to this. But I would yeah. say that for me personally, I feel like for the first time in a long time, I feel like we're in completely safe hands when it comes to Star Like I feel like, though I feel right now about Star Wars, the way that I feel about Kevin Feige and the Marvel team. Like mm -hmm. I feel like they can do... They, they have a lot of leeway right now to do a lot of things because I think they've got a plan and they know where they're going. And that's how I feel about Marvel. And that is now how I feel about Star Wars. So I, uh, that's my final word is I, I'm excited to see what comes next. Chan? Yeah, I, I love that people have passionate opinions. And just yeah. because you might not agree with someone's opinion doesn't mean they're wrong. Opinions aren't wrong or right. They're opinions. And even though someone might not agree with you, don't don't be disrespectful. Like, yeah. don't forget as as passionate as you can feel about Star Wars. Don't forget what brought you to Star Wars, and it was right. that it 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 brought you joy. So yeah. have those opinions, have those debates, and at the end of the day, shake hands and be friends. Exactly. Discussion and debate is great. Certainly, we've gotten heated at times here on the Geek Buddies, but we are friends afterwards, and that's part of the game. Because you know what. These are just these are things that we enjoy doing. We enjoy getting into. They teach us lessons. They're so much fun to explore and take our minds off some of the craziness of our own lives. And I understand that kind of passion people have. Trust me, I know. But it's great to have discussion, but always create space for respectful discourse, uh, understanding discourse at the end. And just be like, you know what? You don't have to win the argument. Sometimes it's just about being heard. So hear the other side if you want to be heard as well. That's important. So, um, All right. That's it for us uh, here on the Geek Buddies. Thank you all so much for downloading this on uh, the Geek Buddies podcast stream or a feed, rather, or watching us here on YouTube. Shannon, what do we got to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies, on Instagram at the underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung, on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at Roca Says. Mikey? Uh, yeah, look, if you like the prequels, if you're an original trilogy person, if you like the new trilogy, if you only like the animation, if you know Star Wars only through the Lego specials, you have a home here at the Geek Buddies. We 
like all of you. We like the fact that all of you like Star Wars differently. And we also like that you like us. Uh, so we want to continue on. We want to get more people watching. So thank you all for doing it. Uh, if you have not, definitely hit the like button below. Definitely subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw page where there is all kinds of content. Not just geeky, as he said. There's also sports. There's wrestling. There's politics. He is the renaissance man of YouTube. Uh, so definitely check all of that out. Leave some comments below, whether you agree with us, disagree with us, yell at me for saying that the new trilogy is bad. We get it all down there. We respond to most of it. Yep. Um, and then the most that you can do is if you're listening to us on Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, rank us there, give us some stars, leave a comment there. It helps us go up in the ranking so more people find us there. And absolutely uh, take this video, retweet this video, post it on Facebook, send it to your geeky friends. Hey, Merry Christmas. It's the Geek Buddies. Like this is, It's a free Christmas present. You can put us right in somebody's stocking and they're going to love you for it because they might not agree with all of us, but they'll like at least one of us. <laughs> Usually true. mostly Shannon, mostly Shannon, mostly but Shannon. Uh, yeah, mostly Shannon. So Merry Christmas from the Geek Buddies. We hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful holiday. Yep. Happy holidays to you all. And thank you so much. You know, as we we're, we're turning the uh, we're turning the page on 2020 next week, we'll do our kind of end of the year uh, uh, episode there of 2021. But we can't thank you enough. Uh, for coming aboard with us on this journey and uh, and it's growing and thank you so much for being a part of it all right we'll talk to you all next time with another brand new episode of the geek buddies Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.